Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. I'm really grateful that you're here. And I'm excited to share a conversation this week with Jeannie Manchester. Um, Jeannie is the founder of Anjanea Yoga Shala in Boulder, Colorado. She is an extremely well-trained and well-versed yoga teacher. She has been drawing on 30 years of dedicated practice and teaching. She's the creator of the Shakti Rise Immersion, which is really dedicated to women on the rise and planetary upliftment. And I think um, just in hearing our conversation, her enthusiasm for this work, for the work of assisting, especially women, stepping into their knowing, their full expression is is really powerful and um, her enthusiasm is infectious. But before we get started, I just wanted to share two offerings that I have that I wanted to tell you a little bit more about. The first is um, an upcoming spring circle. So for the past number of years, I've been offering an online community. We get together for about six weeks. We, we meet weekly as well as um, meeting with me one-on-one -on -one for a short period each week. And our next spring circle launches Monday, March 7th. And this spring, the theme is going to be flow, resonance, and your intuition. And so a really wonderful group of women is already forming. And if it resonates at all for you, I invite you to check out um, the link that I'll put in the show notes and consider joining us. The second offering that went live last week for me is the online version of the Wholehearted Weight Loss Program. That's a six-week self-guided uh, program. And so if you have been kind of longing to make some positive change in in your weight or your experience with your body, um, I encourage you to take a look at that program. The, there is an option also to work with me in live coaching one-on-one -on -one if you need more support, uh, but either way, I will link that in the show notes as well. So without further ado, um, I am excited to offer my conversation with Jeannie Manchester. Thanks so much for listening. So hello there and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Healer podcast. This is Dr. Avian Banish. I'm your host and I'm really grateful today to have a really beautiful guest, um, Jeannie Manchester, on to talk with us today. Jeannie is, to me, um, a feminine force in the world today. I'm really, I, I met Jeannie a number of years ago when I um, began working with her friend Mike Cohen doing kirtan, and um, and Mike was holding his kirtan groups in Jeannie's beautiful yoga shala, and so that's where I met her, and I was immediately drawn to, I guess I would say her um, her energy as a teacher and a wisdom keeper, and I was I've been fortunate enough to attend um, a few other really magical I would say events in her space and. Um, 
I have worked with her as a meditation teacher, as I'm sure we'll get into. And so, Jeannie, I just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, I'm, I'm so delighted to have these kinds of conversations. Um, yeah, it's really just a pleasure to be here and glad we could make it work. Absolutely. Me too. So can we just begin for those who don't know you, um, just telling us a little bit about your background, about what drew you to the work that you're doing. Um, I know it's sometimes it can be hard when you've been doing this work for a long time, um, but just whatever rises and feels important for you to share. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's so beautiful because I get to honor my teachers, you know, when I kind of look back on my journey of yoga and what pulled me to yoga was really my athleticism, you know, to be honest, um, I was drawn to Ashtanga Vinyasa. Um, little did I know what I was getting into or how this would be my life's path, you know, because I was in my, my mid twenties, really when I started, I was a dancer prior to that. I would, I had a minor in dance uh, at Hamilton College and um, just an athlete, just loved swimming and biking and skiing and hiking uh, in Colorado and dancing. You know, I did modern dance. And so when, when I found yoga, it was like I found, I found a pathway into myself. And I, I can articulate it now, you know, 30 plus years later, um, you know, what was going on was I found, I found my inner voice and, you know, I grew up with three sisters, one younger, two older and, um, beautiful parents and, and a very close knit family. And I think sometimes when you're a close knit family, <laughs> you're trying to figure out what your voice is, you know? And when I got to yoga, I, it was this silent space that Richard held in those Mysore classes. Um, once you had learned the practice, and I really just fell in love with the athleticism of it, the flow of it, the beauty of the breath. And so that's where my journey formally started. Now, I could get very esoteric and say that um, my journey started way before this lifetime. And, uh, and, and, and that's sort of part of the mystical path of yoga is you're, you're picking up something from perhaps a previous um, lifetime, which might be a far out concept for some people, but most spiritual traditions really believe that we have lived more than one life and that we're picking up the threads of, of, of a lifetime prior or lifetimes prior. So, you know, began with sort of this athleticism. That was my doorway in um, to the physical, the physical remapping of consciousness uh, inside of me. I didn't understand it at the time. I just was really in love with the physical movement. And then, of course, Richard's influence was very powerful philosophically, um, meditatively, and um, I didn't really get it until many years later. I did trainings and went off to Anusara Yoga and learned a lot of anatomy and philo phil philosophy, especially in the tantric tradition, of which I'm a very deep student still of um, the goddess traditions and the Shaivite Shakta traditions, which we can get into or not later. but. You know, it was um, it wasn't clear all along. Like, oh, I'm on the path of awakening. <laughs> you know, you 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 realize as you get older, uh, you know what actually is happening when you're in an asana class and when you're breathing and when you're 
you know, starting to confront yourself on, on certain levels. Um, and that came years down the road. It wasn't like overnight I was confronting myself with my shadow, but um, sooner or later you start to kind of see what you're up against. And, you know, I grew up, um, my father uh, ha has a huge influence on my healing path because he, um, he struggled with alcoholism and, uh, and then on my mother's side, there were other patterns that weren't um, so healthy. Of course, there's so much beauty. It's not just shadow, right? There's so much beauty in, in both lineages, both my mother and father's um, history. The history of our, our family heritage is very deep and very close-knit and so much artistry moving through both sides of the family. And yet the shadow is sometimes what we, what the pain can be what draws us into to literally seek fulfillment in our lives, to seek awakening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm much older now, I'm much wiser, and know that this indeed was the journey and has been the journey the entire time. But, you know, you have to kind of work through your 20s and 30s and having children and doing all of that. And now, you know, I'm a I'm an empty nester and um, and have just pretty much fully dedicated myself to, um, you know, what I want to call, which is kind of a lofty name, but spiritual awakening or spiritual fulfillment. You know, what does that mean in one's life? That's a big topic. Mm -hmm. Um, but my journey really has gone from, you know, purely physical yoga to, um, understanding, oh, this is much more than that. And now I'm co confronting patterns in my body patterns in my emotions, um, now I'm looking at alcoholism in myself, even though I was never a drinker. <laughs> it's insidious how patterns kind of want to creep in, even if you don't um, abuse sort of um, traditionally. So, you know, that led me down the Anusara path where I met John Friend, I met Douglas Brooks, um, I met so many incredible people, Sally Kempton. These are all teachers of mine that have influenced my path in so many different ways, whether it be physical biomechanics in, in asana to the understanding of tantric philosophy and to the goddess traditions of tantra, um, to my present day teacher, Paul Muller Ortega, who is you know a master on the planet of, of understanding how mantras work inside um, the inner realms. Um, you know, of course, you know, I, I love chanting uh, and have my harmonium next to me here in the room. And, um, and so, you know, there, there's a lot there um, that we could dive into. But, you know, now I know and my, 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 I'm turning, um, I'm going to be turning late 50s now. And I can hardly believe it because it's just like, whoa, where did it go? And kids are grown up and time is passing. And, you know, what do you want in life? And, I'm pretty, pretty certain that I want to understand the way the absolute can move into the relative, into our daily lives as householders. How does a mother running around <laughs> taking care of children, how do we awaken um, in the grocery store? How do we awaken with our partners? How do we awaken to aging and eventually uh, confronting death? So um, it's big. It's a big, it's a big topic. I don't know how you would like to, where you would like to dive in from here, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm a perpetual student of, of yoga. Yeah. And I think Jeannie, your enthusiasm and your desire to 
to really dive into these subjects is really apparent in just in talking with you. And that's exciting. Um, you know, I know one of in the classes that I have been fortunate enough to take with you, you seem to have a special connection with um, serving women, sort of serving, and we might say serving the divine feminine. And, and many are saying that um, there's this divine feminine awakening, and it's so needed on our planet right now. Can you perhaps speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I do I have I have some sort of draw to women, maybe it's because I grew up with three sisters and, yeah. and um, we've all been on sort of a spiritual journey of our own. And uh, it's been super inspiring to be with my sisters and to learn from them. And I think perhaps it started there. And also my mother, she's very interested in everything that we're doing. Um, she pops into my classes at 87 now. And uh, I initiated her into mantra. So you know, she's, she's one of these classy ladies that you wouldn't know it from the outside, but is a deep spiritual seeker. And so, you know, perhaps that starts in our lineage. Perhaps that starts in a past life. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I like to describe it. We have to be careful because the feminine principle in yoga is not not woman, although she shows up as a, a mystical woman in our myths. Um the feminine principle is the Shakti, right? And the Shakti is every human being. It's nature. It's everything animate, you know, in the universe. Um, and, and so what I think is happening on the planet right now is human beings have, have lost their connection to the divine, whether you're a man or a woman, whether, however you identify, it doesn't matter. It's that in general, we're living in the Kali Yuga and we can see it really um, explicitly on the surface of life right now, on the relative and the gross level of life, the physical level of life, human beings. And you could say that Shakti, because Shakti is, is, is the physicality of the divine moving through us, has lost her way. And so, and then, and then I would say the second piece to that is that women actually were 25,000 years ago, spiritual keepers. And over the pandemic, I've done incredible research and found incredible women scholars um, that really have helped me clarify and understand that indeed this was true. The goddess lore was led by women 25,000 years ago. Um, we see you know, roots of, of goddess lore in Africa, migrated to uh, Asia, um, Russia, and North, North India. And these traditions somehow were not completely wiped out because we still understand that this Tantra tradition survived in part um, so that we understand it today. And, and of course, that's part of my teacher's work, many of my teacher's work. Um, and my work is to to say to women, you had a role and it's in your DNA. It's in your cells, it's in your makeup of being a spiritual keeper in a way. Like you hold the wisdom inside your physical body because your menstrual cycle, whether you're menstruating or not anymore, um, connected you to the earth's Shakti, the, the, the connection of woman's menstrual cycle to the moon's cycles to the ocean's tides we know that we're inherently connected and yet 
that was severed. I don't know how you grew up uh, with, you know, receiving your menstrual cycle or how that was presented to you. Um, but in many ways, we can't blame the generations before because they just didn't know um, that was sort of severed. And when did, when was that severed? Quite some time ago. You know, we could say as far back as the Vedas, we see some of the goddess tradition coming through, um, which was inherently connected to women's connection to their cycles and to, of course, spirit through their physicality, through, they would even say, the yoni. So, you know, I have had just a, a longing for for women to know that again, because not one of my trainings, not one of my trainings, and again, I don't blame my teachers, they didn't know, um, began with our history of yoga from the perspective of the goddess traditions that were led by women. And most of that was, you know, patriarchy came in, some people believe that war, a warrior class came in and, and partially wiped out this goddess lore. We're not certain scholars really debate this, um, but we do know that only partially um, did we get some of this goddess lore moving through the Vedas. And then we got, by the middle of the Vedas, we don't see any women in the temples anymore. So, you know, I've just taken it upon me to to dive in, to find the scholars that know this wisdom, to reveal this wisdom, so that I can approach my own trainings from that perspective. And as of late, I, I have pretty much decided that I will train women in yoga right now. Of course, I, will, I always welcome men into my classes and into um, my retreats, but there are specific times where I'm just pulling women together for that specific reason of empowerment. Um, that, 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 that we recognize that that is inherently who we are. That's inherently what our bodies do. We're inherently connected to the serpent power, the kundalini shakti. And, and can we grow that inside? Absolutely. And that's for every human being, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I hesitate sometimes to just say this is just for women. But for now, this feels true to me. This feels like work that I want to do with women in particular, and I think women need it. I totally agree. And I think, um, I think, you know, when you speak, there's a remembering. And I think that that's what you're teaching. It's like, a, it, I love how you, you say that it's already in our DNA. We, we've just simply forgotten, right? We just need to be reminded and we need to remind one another. And so I guess I would ask, what for someone who maybe um, loves what you're saying and resonates, but does not have the language of yoga, does not has not been studying um, for thirty years intensely as you have. Yeah. How does someone even begin? How how does a woman who's listening, who is you know maybe a little worn out over the past few years, has been juggling many roles, has not is just is longing, but is not there yet. How do we begin? Mm. Oh, it's such a good question. I mean, I think it begins in our own yearning. You know, it's our yearning for wholeness. Perhaps we touch our pain. You know, I think we all can do that. Like touch the pain, explore the pain. You know, what do you yearn for? Why do you yearn for it? You know, a sense of lack is inherent in all human beings. A sense of I'm not whole. I, I, I feel a sense of 
you know, even if we, if we don't want to call it this, the tradition does call it unworthiness, a sense of lack, a sense of insecurity, a sense of doubt. And we yearn for a whole expression. You know, I think, so when I think about, you know, someone that doesn't understand the, the, the language of, of yoga, you might, you might connect to, but I yearn to be whole. I yearn to heal. I yearn to feel better. Mm-hmm. And I think perhaps we all start there when we start yoga on some level. Maybe we don't know it, but we're like, oh, you know, I really want to get in shape or, you know, I've been feeling anxious and I've heard yoga can help. You know, th- these are true. These are these are very true. So I think it can start with really basic needs of I really want to get something out in my life into the world, but I don't know how to do that. I feel stuck. Right. So it's it's almost like our pain body. <laughs> Eckhart Tolle used the, uses that word, but our, our pain body pushes us, nudges us, conjoles us to to strive for something more, to understand that that we as human beings seek wholeness and we want to be fulfilled. And, and so we can go down the path of the shadow and we can, uh, you know, think it's all in someone else or um, we can compare and contrast ourselves with others and never feel fulfilled. But if we're drawn into a path that is guiding us into really going inside, then we start this path of, of yoga, which can be very basic. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be... Um, complex. I mean, the, the meditation pra- I practice I teach is very simple. It's very simple. You can do it anywhere. It's portable. Um, and so it's just, it's just knowing that you, yoga can teach us how to deal with um, everyday stress. Every day um, we can learn to do dishes with, with love. We can, we can do the laundry out of, out of respect rather than a drudgery or, um, you know, I think about that every time I wash dishes because I was given this basic teaching by the late Thich Nhat Hanh. He just passed a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, to approach the water under my hands. I mean, he was speaking to a huge group of people. It wasn't just me. Right. But I feel like it, it was the teaching that really never left me was, um, you know, even when the kids, you know, still to this day come over and then they leave. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, whoa, 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 just do one dish out on your way out the door. You know? <laughs> yes. They usually end up doing them all then. But if they don't, you know, there has been moments of resentment at times. And then I turn on the warm water and I think of Thich Nhat Hanh. And I close my eyes for a minute and I just feel the warm water under my hands. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. Like, what's wrong with doing dishes? It can be very meditative. It can be very um, soothing to me now. Um, but there can be moments of contraction on the journey to that. So, you know, I think, I think, I think the practices of yoga and, the, and certainly the goddess tradition that I, that I love teaching teaches us about shadow and light and how shadow is part of the path of awakening. So that's why I like to say, use the portal of pain. You know, what is it, what, it, what do you feel that you lack, that you yearn for? What, what is it that... Um, you've had to endure, you know, in your family lineage, um, you know, what kind of relationship do we want with our spouse or our children that maybe we're not having, you know, can start with these basic needs um, that lead us down a path of, of spiritual awakening and actually 
you know, deep philosophy. So, you know, the, the path that I study is, 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 is not a religion. And I think it's very important that, that that is known. It's, it's, it's the spirit, it's the, I want to call them the alchemical paths of Tantra, which are not about, <laughs> not that left-handed path that people get so confused about. It's not, um, it's not, you know, sex and, and orgies and all this stuff that was a left-handed path. Um, it, it, it's more about alchemical transformation inside. How do we change negative patterns that we have inside of us that keep perpetuating a result in our lives that we don't want? I think that's, you know, that's for everybody. You know, you have a situation in your life and it keeps happening on some level. You keep creating some sort of negativity that perpetuates itself um, and that can be complex, but it can be the doorway into a yearning to awaken and to heal. Yeah. And what I, I love, I love what you've said. And I love that it, the first step is staying present to whatever we're feeling. It's like we live in a culture where there's a lot of numbing out in a lot of different ways and just staying present and aware to our discomfort seems to be the way a way in. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, again, in my twenties, I didn't understand that. You know, if you get into yoga and you're just in it for the physical, just stick with it because it, it will start to open you in other ways. And then you get curious about your emotions. You get curious about something that happened in your, in your past that, that is painful. You might be very arduous, but necessary. You know, it's the, one of the goddesses that I love to um, bring forth in, in some of the work I do is this old hag. You know, Dumavati is her name. And no one wants to look at her because she's the pain and the sorrow and the, the um, old age and death. And, you know, and you can look at that as death in little ways and big ways, the things that we don't want to look at. So when, we, when we're willing to look at that pain or negativity or hardship that we've been through, we're willing to, to dive into it, then, wow, a lot of joy and freedom can come from that. So, you know, we say riding on the, uh, on the ledge of freedom in, in our, our meditation practice, because when you're aware, when you're self-conscious, you can stand on a ledge of freedom, which means you get to decide, do I turn here and have that consequence? Or do I go in this direction where it seems more clean? It seems more um, like my future will be bright if I make this decision. If I make that decision, hmm, doesn't seem quite aligned. You know, it, we get to stand on that cliff and decide. So, uh, you know, without self-awareness, we're just living through what we call samskaras or memories. And some of those memories are fine, you know, and some of those memories are not fine. And they're actually quite detrimental. So if we're living our lives unconsciously, we're living from these samskaras inside the body-mind, it means that we're not living in presence. We're living from the past. We're living from a, uh, we're projecting into the future rather than living from this moment right now. So for example, like if I was trying to figure out what you're going to ask next, I wouldn't really be right here with this question that you're asking, right? So it's like allowing for the question to come and then allowing for this response to come through me, not trying to figure it out so much. 
So um, presence is, is, is what we learn through asana practice with yoga, with breath work. Um, and we very much learn about presence in our meditation practice. We learn about how we're not present. <laughs> and then how we're not present and have to come back. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the journey, right? It's the journey of, you know, coming out of presence to see that, oh, I wasn't present, you know, and so it's a very forgiving process. Um, it, it's not, we're not judging ourselves, you know, and I think we already have a lot of that going on inside. So, um, yeah, presence is a big, big, uh, turning point in a practice where you start to see that you get to co-create. There's so much about talk about co-creating with the universe. Well, it's true, but it requires a steady stability inside you. And then, and then from there with self-awareness, you're able to actually, co-create the life that you really want, um, dharmically speaking, which means that you're in the flow of your own capacities, gifts, and talents. You're not trying to grab someone else's. Um, yeah. So I hope that helps. I know it can be complex, but I really think we all yearn for wholeness and we all yearn deeply to heal. Um, and, and so that's where we start. It doesn't have to be this complex, you know, yoga philosophy or the desire um, to alleviate suffering for ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And when you do that for yourself, you do it for others. I always tell mothers that, you know, when they're, when they're meditating, um, of course, fathers too, but, um, anyone really that your meditation practice is not only serving you, it's serving your bloodline. It's serving anyone that you really deeply love and care for. So, so it's actually something you can do for a family. You know, you do your practice to serve others and then they benefit from, from you and your energy. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's on the plane when they tell you, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. As a mother, at first you hear that you're horrified, you know, because you're so used to really just serving those children, especially when they're young. So it's so true. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, think about that. If you if you don't if you aren't breathing, you can't help someone, right? In an emergency situation. So you do need to put the oxygen mask first on. And I tell that to my yoga students, like do your practices and then serve from that place. Um, you know, spiritual practices are really important to these um, very intense times we're living in right now. And, and so if we don't practice and merge with consciousness, we separate more. And that's why we have so much divisiveness on the surface of life right now. It's just uh, human beings have separated from consciousness, from the divine, from God, however you want to see it. Um, and, and that is not going to survive. We have to come into understanding that we are part and parcel of everything that we are coexisting together and that we're, we're, our energy is made of light. We return to it. And as we're in these individual bodies, we have to learn to be unified. <laughs> Unity consciousness means moving from your heart, not from division. And so you've touched upon something I think really important is maintaining a sense of hopefulness in a world that can sometimes seem very dark. And it, to me, it just intuiting, listening to you, your practice has given you such a huge sense of hopefulness. Um, can you speak to that? <laughs> well, 
Well, you know, I dive into what I would say my, my, my connectivity to the divine twice a day. And of course, then my hope is that I'm, I'm, I'm doing that as I interact with people more and more. Um, but yeah, I do have hope. I do believe that the yogis understood the, the ages and times and that we've swung way out on a pendulum. It's called the Kali Yuga. It's where human beings have um, completely and utterly um, severed their relationship to the divine. And that means, of course, to the earth, to each other, um, that we're not seeing divinity in each other. And so as a pendulum goes out, it's got to swing back. And, and so we're in that process right now where we're in the sprouting of what they call the Sat Yuga, which is a time of great renaissance on planet Earth. Now, how long that's going to take, I don't know. We're in the sprouting. We're in the pre-dawn. We're, you know, it's still dark out, but the, we can see the slice of light on the horizon. And so the more people that connect to their divinity, the more we can shift that um, more quickly on the planet. So, you know, I feel the urge and I feel that urge for women because women tend to lead um, spiritual processes, which hasn't been the case in many of, you know, how yoga came to the West and um, it all uh, came through men. And, you know, we've been living in patriarchy. And of course, my male teachers have been exquisite, you know, absolutely exquisite. So it's not that. However, it's honoring women in that in that regard and in that almost a priestess you know that 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 we have that inherently in us and we need to reclaim it and we need to do that through deep practice so deep practice is the way that i hold my 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 hope my faith because i have a direct relationship to the divine because we are the divine right but we've forgotten so when you go into deep states of meditation, it's undeniable how you're pulsing and vibrating. And, and then that gets to move through your senses. It moves through your actions, your speech, your words have more potency. Your actions have more potency. You're, you get to stand more on the ledge of freedom. It doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. Of course, I still make mistakes, but I'm much more aware of them. I'm much more aware of those, those mistakes. And so my hope is because I feel it. I feel the embodiment of it. I feel the realness of it. I'm, I'm not just intellectualizing it. The, the Kundalini Shakti is something that will arise in all human beings with proper practice. And that's just what wasn't given to us when we were learning yoga, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It, it was given to us partially. And of course, I had exquisite teachers that led me down these incredible paths of understanding uh, that this could actualize inside. And, and so that's what we have to get to is actualization of what we call the serpent power inside, which can happen through, you know, particularly initiatory mantra. Um, and I'm sure there are other paths all over the world that are arising today that also will give us this capacity. Um, but that's how I hold the hope is I have the realization inside of me. I have the experience of it. I have the, 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 I can see more through my heart um, rather than through division. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's, it's more so than it was. And so my hope is in my own, my own practice, my own realizations in my own practice. And that's how it should be. You know, that we, we, it's not like we're hearing it, we're actualizing it inside of us. And we do need teachers because they have gone before us and they know what's possible. And so I'm very close to my teacher and um, study, I mean, all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's an ongoing 
lifetime process of you know what is awakening and and how do we move more from a place of unity in our hearts rather than divisiveness and fragmentation and what my teacher calls petrification on the surface of life yeah it's melting isn't it it is it's melting it's melting our hardness it's melting our divisiveness our comparison minds our um our one-upmanship, it just doesn't work. We, we are going to see more community, more community endeavors. We're going to be able to, when you feel full inside yourself, you just want to delight in someone else's fullness. So it's not about trying to beat someone at something or, you know, it's like we all have come in with different gifts. So when we're able to harness those gifts um, and, and, and celebrate each other, wow, then real collaboration can come. And I, I believe that collaboration will come to the earth and to healing the earth, um, to science, to health, to, to raising our children in more conscious ways. I think it will hit all levels of life, all levels of creativity. Um, and we do need to get to that point where more and more people are experiencing that awakening inside. My hope lies there. Yeah. And, and what you described so beautifully, so beautifully is that feminine principle of abundance, right? So that there's more than enough for all. Absolutely. There's no sense of lack in, in the, in our, when you dive into the transcendental state inside a meditation practice, there is no divisiveness. There is no sense of lack. There's no boundaries. You know, it's completely and utterly free. And so when you bring that back to the surface of your life, you feel more of that. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's, there's plenty for everybody. And of course, you know, we've, we've, we've taken so much from the earth that we do need to restore and we do need to nourish her so that she can keep producing. And it's true of all of us. We need to restore and heal in order for that Shakti to flow through creative endeavors. Um, but I have real hope for our humanity. I know that might sound crazy to some people, but um, I feel so much of that realization inside of me that um, that I know that's true for everybody. They can they can find this creative power, which we call Shakti. You know, the feminine the feminine principle. Well, Jeannie, just your like to me, a mystic is one who has had direct experience, and that that is often transmitted as. Just the pure um, enthusiasm that you're that you display. You're just the the excitement um, and the energy around your message is really beautiful. And um, for those listening who may not live in Boulder, um, people can still connect with you, right? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, have a, I have a website, um, JeannieManchester.com. I have a little studio in Boulder, Colorado, but I do lots on Zoom these days. Um, and I also offer initiatory mantra via Zoom as well. As long as the pandemic is sort of <laughs> at play here, um, I'll be doing that via Zoom. And I've, you know, been speaking to women in Australia and all over the place. It's been really amazing to just see people all over the world just wanting to awaken. One of the gifts of, of the pandemic has been right connecting across the globe it is on my bucket list to go to india with you so i yeah. hope we'll do yes, that yes. in the future again yes. i'm hoping for 2023 fall of 2023 hopefully we'll do navaratri 
in uh, Tamil Nadu, and maybe even go up north again uh, as well. I have I have big plans inside. We'll see how they manifest um, as things clear up. Yeah. I sense that your big plans will come to fruition, Jeannie. I think that you have some big helpers working with you to do that. <laughs> so um, I will make sure and link your um, beautiful website. And so people listening who want to get in touch with you can do it that way. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thank you for confronting yourself, as you said, years ago and and sticking with it and um you know, the, the fruits of your practice are in all that you're teaching to others. So I want to say thank you. And thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Oh, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.